be the guide and not the hero. This is That Marketing Podcast. Made by marketers for marketers. Welcome to another episode of That Marketing Podcast. Brought to you by Spot the UK. In this episode, I'm chatting to sales trainer Mark Colgan. I ask him about the big things that have changed or not changed in sales since the pandemic and the little things that you can do regularly to improve the sales and marketing relationship. I hope you enjoy and as always, happy marketing. Mark, thank you very much for joining the podcast today. Hey Richard, really excited to be here. So we're going to talk, this is this is that marketing podcast and we talk to a lot of marketers, but this time I thought it'd be interesting to, interesting thing to flip the script and, and get a sales perspective on a lot of the stuff we talk about. Um, and the first thing that I'm interested in is how sales has changed in the last 12 months, because we hear so many think pieces about how everything's different and it's a new normal. But because I've been in marketing throughout that, I don't have a sense of how that's kind of changed for salespeople. Yeah, so uh, quite a lot to unpack there. And, and really, if you, you cast your memory back to February uh, 2020, people are planning their Q, Q2s and all of their activity, and it just everything completely changed. And really, the, the companies that were affected the most were those that weren't set up for remote selling, uh, as well as those companies that relied heavily on industry events and putting, putting on workshops and in-person uh, events as part of their demand generation strategy. So... Um, really, when it when it came to crunch time in March, uh, a lot of companies had to adjust, um, and I personally feel quite sorry for new sales development reps who were first sales job, uh, first proper uh, corporate job maybe, um, who were who had to go and onboard from home uh, because it's so so challenging. It's a challenging enough role as it is, uh, and then not to have the the peer support and learning from other people around you and, and learning through osmosis um, is really really challenging. Absolutely. Yeah, the thing that I found, I worked a couple of sales jobs before I jumped across into marketing. My first one was in was in a call center, so huge sort of energy in the room. Mm-hmm. And the second one was a tiny little franchise where I was the only one doing anything outbound at all. Yeah. And actually, weirdly, having silence around you makes it so much harder to do calls. Like you, I kind of fed off the energy, and I, I imagine yeah. that's true for a lot of salespeople. It really is. And it's the reason I can't work in co-working spaces at the moment, um, because I'm so loud. My voice and my energy that I bring to the phones is from my experience in sales. And I know I get some really funny looks when I'm working from a co-working space. <laughs> it must be interesting to, to receive sales calls in an office as well, to have that kind of energy directed at you when you're in a quiet space. I mean, you yeah. to, we should we, what we need to do is get a get a typical buyer on the on this on the podcast as well and see how they've. <laughs> They found sales pitches differing. I mean, part of it, part of what I wonder for me is that if you set aside working from home, which is you know, a bit of a big leap, um, I wonder, is, was COVID different than any other particular kind of economic downturn in how salespeople, once you get over that remote bit, is how people reacted to the economic implications of COVID different to how they reacted to previous economic downturns? Is there a different element to it or is it actually from a sales perspective pretty much the same? Yeah, that's a really interesting question and I haven't been asked to kind of compare those before. So I'll give you my live thoughts as I'm, I'm making them up. Um, right. I think this this time round, uh, there was, it, it was uncertainty. So w- whatever the economic uh, recessions in the past were and COVID, uncertainty was the common theme but there was almost like this was completely new 
So I believe that there was even more uncertainty. So when you have recessions, they're typically cyclical. So we go into a recession and then we come out of a recession. Whereas at the beginning, and if we remember last year, no one knew when, when the new normal was. And I think some people said getting back to the new normal too soon because things changed again as second waves came in and vaccines were rolled out. So, yeah, I think you could probably compare the, the feeling to a recession, but I probably think COVID was worse for people, especially salespeople, um, those that needed that and uh, relied on that face-to-face -face interaction because it changed the whole process for them. See, what can, do you have a sense of what kind of percentage of salespeople as a whole found that change difficult? Because all the sales roles I've ever been in were certainly phone and email driven. Actually, both my sales roles I didn't get any face-to-face -face time. I think the second one, first one was a call center, so that was all done on the phone. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And then the second one was essentially a kind of BDR role. So I was setting up meetings for the franchise owner, but I didn't really have any face-to-face -face involvement in that. So my, I don't think my experience would have been that different. Is it yeah. pretty common for salespeople to need, or was it common for salespeople to still need, rely on that face-to-face? It certainly is. So when you're looking at longer term sales or long term partnerships, as well as much larger deal sizes, if people are signing checks for $100,000 a month, they're going to want to look you in the eye, shake your hand and uh, go for dinner with you, maybe. <laughs> yeah. So I, I used to work in recruitment and part of there's two sides to recruitment. There's one interviewing candidates and preparing their CVs. The other side is the sales element of going out and finding people who are hiring. When you're dealing with people as in what something as important as people, they really need to trust you and they really need to know that you understand their requirements and actually going to their office, seeing the office. So when I'm speaking to a candidate, I can describe the office and um, simple things like uh, how to get from the train station to the to the to the office and things yeah. like that. So recruitment is one uh, from talking from my own experience where face to face um, selling or face to face engagements have happened. But for me personally, the last two and a half years, I've been selling remotely uh, and not meeting face to face. The other part of the, well, you've you've done quite a bit of sales training as well. I mean, that's part sort of part major string to the bow. How is that different? Is is delivering training remotely in preparation for remote selling? Does does that work, or is it actually more complicated than that? Yeah, so it is more complicated. A lot more thought needs to go into the engagement with the group because what you don't want to do is speak to a camera for 60 minutes and not ask any questions. So uh, the team, so I, I coach two courses for the Sales Impact Academy and they've got course managers and they've got a learning and development expert in as well to really break out the uh, the just the monologue so that there are quizzes, there are add, add things to the chat, we pick on people, we say, Richard, what, what are you doing for this at the moment? Um, and lots of different types of, of, of interactions. Um, in fact, I'm not actually um, talking about remote selling. I'm not training people how to be better at remote selling, but we do talk, we do cover how to prospect uh, remotely. So um, there is there is some hints to being able to do this in a remote environment. So does, have you noticed a difference in what people, what kind of training people are asking for in, in the course over the last 18 months? So that kind of, I presume that there's, say that again, I can imagine that, as you said, remote selling and remote onboard, especially a new sales training, remote onboarding is going to be a particular challenge. How, how are salespeople kind of feeling about it? Yeah, so I think one of the biggest change that I noticed, and this kind of goes back to the to the first question as well, is that 
a lot of companies started to say on LinkedIn, and I, I found it quite funny because they were saying, we need more empathy in sales, be more empathetic in sales because your prospects are, are all going through um, uh, a turmoil at the moment. And I was reading that those blogs and I was thinking, well, what have they been doing up until now uh, <laughs> with not having empathy in their sales process? Um, but that's really what, what, what the core focus is uh, throughout the Outbound Prospecting course is how to be the guide and not the hero and make your customer the hero. And the understanding that the buyer's journey was already changing and has further changed now. And the reality is, I think the most latest stat from BCG is that 76% of the buyer's journey is takes place by the, by the buyer without speaking to a salesperson. So the questions we get is, I'm typically there, an SDR is an entry level role in an organization. So they're like, I'm not senior, I'm young sometimes. Um, I don't know much about the product <laughs> that I'm trying to sell and I don't know much about the industry. So uh, help, um, but getting to know your buyers, understanding their challenges and problems and positioning yourself as the guide, not the hero um, is really what we focus on. And that's what leads to the success. I'm glad to hear, glad to hear that because they're in, obviously Spotler as a marketing automation platform. That's very much how we pitch things that you, you can drip feed prospects the information that they're interested in because they will they will pick up the phone they will get on an email or live chat to your salespeople when when they want to you can't drag them no any further further down the funnel um, and I kind of suppose to kind of follow up on that thought I'd like to know on from a sales perspective what sales and marketing can do to work more closely together that that sort of synergy between those two teams to use a horrendous mm -hmm. buzzword it's something that a lot of a lot of teams chase, but very few seem to be able to get right. Yeah, I think as it always comes down to like any issues or strained relationships come down to is communication. And I see a huge lacking of feedback going from sales to marketing or marketing to sales. There might be negative feedback being thrown out in Slack, but not yeah. always the positive praises as, uh, when, when things do go right as well. So really implementing a shared, uh, a shared agreement on what the targets are, why, if this is not a qualified um, prospect, why? Or if this is not a qualified lead, why is it not a qualified lead? And share that information back and understand that that can change. Understand that as you grow and, uh, and scale up as a business, you will have different buyers, um, different use cases, um, and it will constantly be evolving. But really for me, it comes down to just lack of communication. Yeah, I think that's probably a fair, so I think there's a, a, a common thing where marketing sort of fling bucket loads of leads to sales and say, these guys are good. Mm -hmm. And then as a, as a, a department, as a group, we don't then go back and say, oh, how was this? Were they any good? You know, listen to sales to come back and actually, actually ask for that information. That's probably, probably very, yeah. very true. I, I think just to add to that as well, focus on revenue. Like I have never been the marketer to focus on leads. I've always focused on close one business what impact did my marketing have on these deals that were closing? Now, if you're selling to mid-market or enterprise, you've got a lot less volume usually to, to deal with. So you can do that analysis. Um, when you've got a much higher volume and it's a lower price point, you do have to rely on some of the data, but the data isn't always uh, accurate. Um, and especially if people can change the lead source or the opportunity source, um, <laughs> things can change quite often. But you know, you, you as a marketer are in control of your career and, and your job. If it means that you go and take a salesperson out for coffee and sit down with them and say, 
where did that lead come from? Or where did that deal come from? Where did that, I used to do this. Um, I had six salespeople and I just used to harass them until they gave me the answer and I'd push back on, on them as well. But I, I was really focused on revenue or all, all, uh, and everything that I did for, in, from a marketing point of view. And that helped me get buy-in from the sales team. Yeah, I, I suppose attribution is one of the things that even throughout my four or five years as a marketer, I found that is the probably the thing that you struggle with the most because people pop up in all sorts of places. Like the, um, the story that I always tell is one from my, my previous company. We had uh, a marketing, they, they were telecoms provide or middleman sort of advising, selling the big networks to, a, to smaller companies. And they had a technical director of one of these companies and he came to their annual conference four years in a row. Each year, didn't speak to anyone, didn't leave a card, wouldn't engage with sales at any point. And then the fifth year, he turned up and the first day went straight to our commercial director and said, you guys have really impressed me over the last four years. I want to become a customer. Mm -hmm. like, how you would have attributed that as a marketer, you know, you would have certainly seen us spending the ticket price on him for four years and we said, oh, nothing's happening. And then boom, suddenly yeah. it comes out of nowhere. And 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 to speak to like marketing automation attribution, they it, it can help you attribute some of the buyer's journey, but 76% of it happens without them even looking at your, uh, even speaking to a salesperson. And when you think about all of the communities that exist, all of the third party review uh, sites that exist as well, they may not even be looking at a blog post. And so you're churning out eight blog posts a month, but really people are talking about you in a Slack community and they've heard your your CEO on a podcast and they've asked a friend and a friend says they use that tool. You can't attribute it, but it but it works. So I don't know what the answer is for attribution, <laughs> but I'd say keep 10% of your budget for some wildcard ideas and just do what you think would be right and do what you think would be valuable to your customers. Is there a role for that kind of thing in the sales process? Like if you're, if you're a salesperson, you're... And I don't know exactly what point you'd add this in. That might be part of the, that's probably part of the question of, is there a point where a salesperson can say, oh, how did you come across us? They can, I mean, sure, that's the easy way of attribution yeah. to say what was, I'll just ask them what the touch point was rather than trying to bury your head in the data. Yeah. And, and as a salesperson, <clears throat> you can make a little bit of a joke of it and just say, look, my marketing team is going to kill me if I don't ask, where did you hear? Can you, can you let me know where you hear, heard about us? Um, and then if they say SEO, you can say, oh, it's good, good to know they're doing a good job. Um, and, you know, just build that rapport and, and have that conversation. So, yes, you can. But a lot of people will still say, oh, I can't remember or Google. But then you write down Google and then you're like, oh, crap, I didn't ask them what they actually searched on Google uh, to get to, <laughs> to get to my website. So it's not an exact science, but it but it can help you get a a, a picture of attribution. Yeah, that's probably all you need. You probably just need an impression of enough of a enough of an idea. If, if there's one thing that comes up more often than not, even if that's only 15% of your leads or prospects you're getting an answer from, then at least that's a mm -hmm. it's a guide. Oh, that's been a really interesting. I mean, the thing I want to finish up on is trends coming up down. I know we've kind of touched on the fact it's been very difficult to predict between second waves and deltas and vaccine rollouts and various other things but do you think you can put your finger on a particular trend that's going to affect salespeople in the next say 12 months that we need to be thinking about now and can get on top of that's a really really good question um i, I one thing that's not going away and, and will become even more important is just to really understand who your ideal customers are and who those buyer personas that you sell to are and once you get good at that you can do that for any company and, and i think 
um, by really understanding what their challenges and their pain points, you can kind of um, multiply what you understand with the uncertainty of COVID. So whatever comes up, you can still say, but you still have to achieve these targets or you still need to run this particular program. Um, but only when you understand their challenges and pain points, can you really create uh, empathetic and really good relevant copy and messaging, um, which really sits at the core foundation of any outbound sales process is, is that messaging, is it relevant? So relevancy has been going to become more important as well. Great. Okay. That sounds like a nice little sales marketing crossover that both are going to be doing content. So I think that's a really good point to wrap up on. Thank you so much for sharing your, your view from sales to our, what is a predominantly marketing audience. Hopefully it can inspire people to buy, buy more coffees for their sales team, <laughs> chat with them more and, and have a better process for uh, attribution, understanding the teams going forward. So thank you very much. No worries. Thank you. It's been a pleasure. All right. Bye for now then. See ya. Thank you for joining us for another episode of That Marketing Podcast. You clearly have wonderful taste. We hope you found the content useful and, and enjoyed it. We'd love you to subscribe wherever it is you're listening to us. Maybe leave us a review. If you can think of a topic that you, you'd like us to cover, or even if you fancy coming on the podcast and sharing your own experience on a particular topic, uh, you can reach us at marketingteam at spotler.co.uk. Thanks once again and happy marketing.